These are vile people who have had no discipline at home, Absolutely. no discipline at school, and they don't like police officers and they don't like the law because they, they come across them and why this time they like they've the gone law? too far. Look Welcome to episode 61 of South London Hardcore with your hosts Jack McEnroy and Steve Walsh. Hello. For 60 episodes, Steve, we've uh, been mostly positive about South London, haven't we? But, you know, like any other place in the world, we've got some bad ones that have uh, come from here. And today we'll be listing our top 10 worst South Londoners. Interesting balance, isn't it? You've got a. Uh... I was surprised how many bad people ended up being from here, which is a shame. But uh... <laughs> Well, we sort of, to explain our, our remit for a second, we excluded um, murderers and, you know, it, it's basically yeah, people Yeah, I mean, who... Jamie Acourt's not on the list. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, even, say, Henry VIII. Yeah. And that's not just because, you, you know, you've copied his look wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the uh, Hans Holbein PR package. <laughs> But I would say um, once you do that, once you sort of go, we're going to go for people. Because basically my, my thing was, let's go for people that you're ashamed come from South London because they've somehow debased society and culture mm. or just proved to be a bit of an embarrassment. And once you do that, it was actually surprising how hard it was, I think, to find 10 worthy candidates. I mean, 10 people you go, these, you know, that you talk all the words rather than just being a bit annoying. Yeah, the genesis of this episode was uh, we were in Morley's, weren't we? And uh, the department store, not the chicken shop. I always feel obliged <laughs> yeah, to point out. Yeah, could be either, couldn't it? Yeah, mm. you know we're carnivals. And uh, I mean, you, you, were, uh, you went to the bathroom, Steve. I had yeah. a little lie down on the uh, one of their beds. I mean, how do I know if I want to buy it if I don't have a lie down first? <laughs> but yeah, as we were walking down the stairs, I won't say the person's name at the moment, but it said this person is from Brixton, and I didn't know that. No, and, and uh, I was yeah. That was the genesis of like, yeah, let's put together the worst ones. <laughs> Before we get going, a couple of quick uh, links: southlandhardcore.com for all your uh, supplementary material. We're on Twitter at slhc, no longer slhc podcast at slhc. Cheers, Sandra. Uh, Steve is at Vents Wales, as in to vent a whale, and uh, I'm at Yids and at Jack McEnroy. If you're going to buy stuff from Amazon. Make sure you go to soundlandhardcore.com first just to give us a little chunk of change and uh, we'll spend the money that we get on the show. So far we've made £1.02. pence. getting there, isn't it? It's it is, isn't it? Yeah. We've recorded the shows out of order so that maybe we might mention on a future show that we've made 8p so far <laughs> for a Rihanna single. But since then, someone bought an iPod lead and someone else bought a second-hand beard trimmer. Was that you, Steve? It wasn't me, but... Uh... Good. Yeah, so the money's gone up. We've already made a pound from it. So if you're going to buy stuff anyway, if you're going to buy stuff anyway, I bought Xavier, my uh, lovely daughter, a Fisher Price bouncy sitting. I saw a photograph there. It looked great. Ah, it's great fun. She loves it. And uh, that was £109, Steve. Right? So I clicked the Amazon link, not on this website, on your Win Nothing with a Year to my Tottenham blog. (laughs) So I get all the money. And I got uh, like £5.50 back for that. Brilliant. Yeah, so get on southlandhogger.com, click the Amazon link every time you want to buy something. It costs you nothing, it costs Amazon something. On that basis alone, it's worth a go, isn't it? Direct action. Before we give you the uh, top ten, or the bottom ten, 
if you like. Maybe we'll just mention some of the uh, nominations. Dishonourable mentions. Lakeisha. Hashtag more Lakeisha. You can't nominate your wife. <laughs> this is... <laughs> no. No, no, this isn't the purpose of this show for you. <laughs> she stitched you up on the washing or something and you're like, well, I'll show uh, you. I've got power. She, I, I mentioned to her to do the worst people in South London. She gave me 25 straight away. <laughs> you, Steve. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. Richie K. Chandler. <laughs> No, she mentioned Thatcher having a house in Dulwich. Dulwich, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, she's not from Dulwich. No. Um, she mostly did her damage when she lived in Downing Street. Yeah, she moved to Dulwich when she retired. So arguably, her years in Dulwich um, have been the best years of whoa, her life. Whoa, 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 whoa. When she was inventing soft scoop ice cream, Steve, I think that's when those were the best years of her life. Did she invent soft scoop ice cream? Thatcher, yeah. <laughs> you say that like uh you didn't know that no I didn't know that I mean yeah I mean I don't know if she was just like the one you know who did it uh, but she was involved in inventing soft scoop ice cream I don't mm. know what ice cream was like before that though <laughs> uh, probably more solid and you just have chunks in the, you know like oh when like you, when people's freezers yeah exactly when you take it out of the freezer yeah. and it's just like this is this is rubbish. so she peaked you know in her contributions to humanity but then she just went on that rampage in the 80s didn't she Yo Thatcher, stick to uh, soft scooping. That's <laughs> <laughs> scans. But we're not having her because, yes, yeah, she's not. Uh, that doesn't count, does it? Yeah. Likewise, Justin Lee Collins lives in Q. Also, we don't need to pile on the guy, do we? He said. Uh... Yeah, Justin Lee Collins for. I mean, people. I'm presuming people will know who that is, but I used to have long blonde hair, Steve, <laughs> and occasionally some stubble. And people would go, and you, you, were, know, an, you, and, and you were annoying. And so. I was, I would try and pack into a, a tightly fitting rock and roll t-shirt. <laughs> uh, you know, people would say, uh, you know, who you look like, I'd be like uh, Justin Lee Collins. They'd say, um, but yeah, he was annoying on television. But then it turned out he was like physically and emotionally abusing his uh, girlfriend, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he's just, just got uh, a real nasty man. But also. But he, you know, ridiculous forms of uh, yeah, ridiculous like forms. making her go for a DVD collection, telling her which, telling him which films featured men she found attractive, and throwing away those DVDs. Like uh, that helps your relationship. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere. What's she got left? Like Laurel and Hardy and Mask. I don't know. Holly Hardy's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> also, um, the the oddest bit. I think yeah, the oddest bit. bit. Well, this is a bit. I think you know people want to Google Justin Lee Collins' girlfriend. You'll find the uh, salacious details. Of, yeah, because yeah. it is it's fascinating. I know it's, it it's is, horrible. Well, but just it is in terms of human psychology, very, because yeah. it would never occur to me uh, to say to a woman, "You have to sleep facing me," yeah. and if I wake up and she's not uh, facing me, to wake her up. So yeah, that she is. Fa- I don't. For me, even if I was uh, that troubled that I felt an need to it. Just the, the work that goes into it, surely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, set an alarm for the middle of the night. But the Absolutely. thing is, that detail almost sort of saves his reputation in a way, I think, because that shows he's obviously mental. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that it, you know, that's not, not it doesn't more. necessarily excuse uh, treating someone appallingly. But if someone has a mental illness, do you know what I mean? It's different to someone just being vile. Yeah. Like some of these people on the list. <laughs> Speaking of conservative leaders, prime ministers even, Man United 24 suggested John Major but we're covering John Major in very soon in an episode and uh, we'll probably we'll, there you'll see why we don't think he quite fits in this list I looked at Leslie Grantham 
uh, mainly for sort of backstage shenanigans at a panto. Didn't he kill someone? Yeah. But then you go right. So we're back to murders and it's so yeah. Where's sort of he like, from? Um, I don't know, Blackheath maybe South London. And he's from EastEnders, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Liam Stoker, who I follow on Twitter, uh, mentioned Will Self. Which one's a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretentious was the charge. Likewise, Callum Hamilton from uh, Surreal Football. I don't know if he was nominating Danny Baker and Greg Wallace, but he was assuming that everyone had voted for them. Right, that, why would anyone vote for Danny Baker? <laughs> I think people. One know. of the best ones, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And what about Greg Wallace? Got thoughts on him, Steve? I was indifferent to Greg Wallace until I saw uh, a book from Avery Hill uh, Publications um, called Close Up Mastership. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. Basically, it's uh, a small press uh, zine of um, photographs from Masterchef, but just really the guy just photographed the screen, so it's just like a, a close up of uh, Greg Wallace's iron nose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's great. Well worth a look. Badger Five Thousand suggested Piers Morgan, who it turns out isn't from South London. Good. Yeah, I, I didn't know, know there was because he would have been number one. I think. Yeah. Uh... But he he'd, worked, have been, he'd have been top three, but I don't think he would have been number one. He worked for the South London Observer or something, not the South London Press. Oh, right. And he, so he was involved in the South London scene okay. in news for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's but... obviously an appalling man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rod Liddell didn't quite make the cut, did he? No. He's not, he's one where uh, he says some uh, awful things, but you get the feeling it's uh, to stir people up rather than any sort of um, mindset that he has. Which is annoying of itself, and would sort mm. of like you know, you know, it'd, it'd be like number thirteen or something, and probably number fourteen would be Jules Holland, wouldn't it? Just, be, <laughs> just for you get the, again. I've got no issue. I can he, see late night Jules Holland. Right, he's got an incredibly annoying talking voice. Right, right but that's not. He, he once asked someone. I can't remember it was some kind of old blues singer or something. He said, "When were you first born?" <laughs> That's not worse. That's uh, no, but it's no, it's not for that. It's more for the fact that he gets on like you know some of the greatest musicians that have ever lived on his show, and it just bookie woogies all over their stuff at the end, doesn't it? Can I? Um, I know this is going to seem like a, a really uh, clumsy segue, but can I tell a fall story? <laughs> the fall, yeah. the, the fall, um, the fall. Uh, my favourite band of all time um, went on later with Jules Holland, but had a special contract drawn up where Marky Smith insisted there was a clause that Jules Holland wasn't allowed to do boogie-woogie piano at any point while they were performing. <laughs> yeah. Fair so, enough. So, um, uh, you know, the, the jam at the start where everyone plays a bit, yeah. uh, he wasn't allowed to play anything while they were playing their bit of the jam. <laughs> and then they like, move on. Yeah. I'm with Marky Smith on that one. Yeah, as I say, you know, uh, again, though, if the worst charge you can bring against a man is Boogie Woogie Piano, that's annoying. That's not the worst. Yeah, he don't, he's not up there with some of these uh, nah. characters. Yeah. I didn't realise Andy McNabb was from South London. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you read about his early life, and I felt really sorry for him because he was abandoned. Yeah, on the steps of Guy's Hospital. Yeah. yeah. And then adopted by a family in Peckham and grew up in Peckham. And, that, um, and you felt sorry for him for that. Yeah, I felt sorry <laughs> for him for that. And then you sort of go, they, he wrote some, I'd imagine, awful books. I've not read them. And, you know, and in that sense, sort of, uh, you know, culturally tarnishes uh, yeah. books and whatnot. And, you know, that's, that's bad. But it's not the worst. And as I say, um, you know, he's a band on set of hospital. Poor guy. Give him a break. Mm-hmm. Let, let him write some terrible we'll leave books. Him off it's list. fine, yeah, yeah. And we're also leaving off uh, 
two people involved in football. We don't really deserve to be on the list, but I do have issues with both of them. Uh, Roy Hodgson. Right. Yeah. You know, for... I mean, I've never been a big Roy Hodgson fan. I always thought, you know, he was well overrated. People kind of acted like he was doing incredible things in Europe. Like, you know, oh, you're so ignorant in England. You know, why don't yeah, you get, yeah. get Roy Hodgson in England, man? Look what he's done with Switzerland. Well, you know, he got him to a World Cup and that was it. Do you know what I mean? They didn't, they he, didn't he won the Swiss League with grasshoppers and you're like, that's not, you know... Mm. I, I don't think he did, but <laughs> <laughs> he was mostly in um, Scandinavia when he he didn't do anything in there, did he? Anyway, right? Um, <laughs> but he, he's the England manager now, which is a shame. The whole Rio Ferdinand situation, England's best player of the decade, right? Best performer of the decade, without a doubt in my mind. And he's just had like the last few years of his international career robbed because Roy Hodgson's just gone. No, I'm going to go with it with John Terry on this one. Right. And even now that John Terry's not playing, he'll go, no, I think we'll have Martin Kelly and uh, <laughs> Stephen Corker. Yeah, let's get these guys in the team rather than, what do you mean you're uh, play, starting against Real Madrid for Manchester United? <laughs> you're top of the league by like lots of points. So I've gone what? right off him. I didn't, I didn't particularly like him any, Roy, Roy Hudson. But was, uh, what I say about Roy Hudson now is he's probably the nicest person I hate. That's a good book, isn't it? I, I, I agree with you entirely on the Rio Ferdinand. I think the fact that Rio Ferdinand is essentially being punished because John Terry's a terrible person. That's the only reason mm. I can get off it. Um, is, is a real shame. Also, there was a, a thing a couple of weeks ago that annoyed me again, where um, it might have been Lampard, so it was someone. Um, some England player was talking about getting a transfer. And Roy Hodgson uh, basically made a statement to the press where he was like, well, you better not go too far because I'm not going to be Travelling around the world looking at players, yeah. And I was like, "Who's laugh idea?" But but it was like what, Roy Hodgson, <laughs> world traveller, man who was like going, "You better not go overseas because yeah. the last one I do is get on a plane." Yeah, I'm not, I'm not prepared to leave Croydon. <laughs> and the other one is Glenn Johnson, not for nicking the toilet seats, no, but for coming out and wearing a Luis Suarez t-shirt after he'd been uh, actually on that basis after he been found guilty. Yeah. He could have found sneaked in, couldn't he? Have found yeah. guilty for uh, Reg Libby's in. Patrice Everett, there's no doubt about it. There's yeah. not, there's no grey area. I mean, he was found guilty of racially abusing him. Yeah. And then he comes out and where? I mean, obviously, the whole team wore it, and like at the time, you know, me and other people were all straight on Glenn Johnson's case because obviously he's mixed race, and uh, he was, I think, I presume he was the only mixed race or black player to walk around in a Suarez t-shirt. Yeah. But what's was. relevant in this conversation is that he's from South London, and that's not on, is it? Channel 4 did um, a list of the 100 worst Britons, Steve. Oh, and it's just gone there, isn't it? I did go there. Oh, okay, good. And then I pulled out some stuff. I mean, you know, Ken Livingston. <laughs> He's from South London. He was in the list. Yeah, we're not putting him Peter on Peter Tatchell. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to Channel 4 and have right, just don't, I don't put Peter Tatchell in it, yeah. obviously. What were people's issue with Peter Tatchell? He was number 80. Right. Uh... Ainsley Harriet was in there as well. Like these, you know, these are the South Londoners that made the list, and some of the ones on our list as well. And you'd hope so, because if it was like uh, Ainsley Harriet and Peter Tatchell, you're like you're doing this wrong. Well, there were a lot of people that were in the the top hundred Britons and the bottom hundred, uh, the worst Britons, right? And the yeah, best and that Britons, always happens, so. doesn't it? Uh, like Blair and Thatcher, basically. Smash it's poll winners party. You know, best haircut and worst haircut. I'd have at least three of the same people. Ridiculous. So number one was Blair, right? Number two was Jordan. Number three was Thatcher. And number four was our number ten, Jade Goody. She's the only one on our list who is no longer alive. Uh, died at 27, tragically, of uh, cancer. But um, 
I don't think that's really that relevant, is it, Steve? We kind of we can still sort of give, well, her, a, I, give her a kick. In. <laughs> I I wait to just do living people, just because. I mean, you know, your first thing to do is go right to reply. None of these people are going to hear this, but I just think. I mean, also, I, I like the idea of sort of having a go at people that are currently still letting the side down, rather than people who have a history of. But um, I push. I fought to the point here, didn't I? You did, and I've also got. Um, well, I'm, I'm anticipating having certain issues uh, with your reasoning for putting her in. So um, yeah, well, I'll hear you out. I hear you out. So Jay Goody uh, is from Bermondsey, and uh, her mum uh, used to have a stall in the blue, I think. And that once Jay Goody hit. Uh, Hit the jackpot. That went out the window. I imagine. Yeah. Well, I don't think it did immediately, actually. No. But I don't think I think it was a while. But anyway, she's. I presume she doesn't know it now. She was originally on uh, Big Brother Three, um, which arguably the best one, Steve. <laughs> and a few years later, um, probably her most controversial incident was uh, on Celebrity Big Brother Five. Right, trying to keep Which is the best celebrity Big Brother in it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, where her and I think it's Daniel Lloyd, isn't it? Um, who went out with several Tottenham players? Yeah, and um, Joe from Steps. If was I remember right, well? she was uh, part of the gang. Yeah, they ganged up on the uh, Pachetti and there was some racially motivated bullying um, that Channel Four also cut bits out, essentially just to cover it up. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really going to dwell on that because uh, that was bad, and that is one of the reasons she's in the list. But well, that's not you your re- main reason. No, that's not right. No. Okay, that intrigues me because looking over it, I was like, "That was a terrible moment," but I don't know beyond that. Well, anyway, let's, yeah. Let's... Well, no. It, the reason Jay Goody is on the list is more for what she represents, really, because I don't think she is. Hor- I wouldn't. She don't, I wouldn't call her horrible necessarily. Yeah. Um, despite that incident. On Big Brother 3, there were numerous instances of uh, just saying just so, things that were so completely stupid, like baffling that someone hadn't learnt them in their life. Yeah. You know, she referred to uh, East Anguilla, which she didn't think was in England. Yeah, yeah. Um, for example. She didn't know America was an English-speaking country. Yeah. She thought Portugal and Spain were the same. Portuguese was a word she used. Was that used. the word, okay. <laughs> It's not a word. Okay. <laughs> um, after Big Brother, she ran the marathon, right? And collapsed after 21 miles. Because I don't understand miles. The thing there, though, is... <laughs> you see, on both those points, I, I read those. But uh, my thing... The, the thing that made me feel she didn't deserve a place in it was... The initial response to Jade Goody from the British public was that she was a monster. Uh, and initially it was that she was stupid. And I think... If she'd been that stupid but physically attractive, she'd have got a pass and would have yeah, been seen true, affectionately. Yeah. But she wasn't. She was uh, clearly unintelligent and not attractive. So at that point, um, she became like a pantomime villainess. But beyond that as well, there were some some vile things. When she was evicted oh, yeah. from the Big Brother house, yeah. people were holding up signs saying, kill the pig. Which is, you know what I mean? That's not acceptable, Animal is it? And, and, essentially, and, you know, if you delve into it a little more... You know, obviously people can be unintelligent for a number of reasons, but and I'm not saying this is the reason Jay Goodell. She might well have not. Bacon been. is a much, Bacon College is a much better school now. Oh, is that what you? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. What she went to because um, like a lot of kids from my primary school went there. Oh right, you know. but there was 
uh, as far as I understand, and I, I you know don't know her her life inside out, but her mum um, had issues with drug abuse. Yeah, as she was growing, and had one arm. Mm. So Jay Goody, as far as I understand it, was absent from school a lot of the time because uh, she was taking care of her mum. Which, you know, as I say, maybe if she was in school time, she wouldn't have listened and she still would have thought that East Anglia was in another country. But uh, when, when, it, when the first sort of wave of Jay Goody hatred came out, I was, I was really annoyed on her behalf because it just mm. felt like classist. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, you know, when people sort of, uh, you know, the word chav. Exactly. You know, a lot of people yeah, have issues yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, because you just there, it's just to mock people that are kind of poor and uneducated, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And as I say, you know, she wasn't necessarily um, in school, and even if she was, um, she listened, all, all those things. But whatever happened is, you're, you're essentially the country united to laugh at someone that didn't get a proper education. And then, beyond that, and as I say, if she'd, um, you know, not had a proper education but been really hot. It would have been fine. She, people would have gone, oh, bless her. Mm. She'd have come out, she'd have got various uh, contracts with various newspapers to appear in fewer clothes or indeed no clothes whatsoever. She'd have made a pile of money. But because she was unattractive, um, people despised her. And then, uh, as I say, that doesn't, uh, you know, uh, give her a pass on the racist stuff, which was horrible and sustained. That's the other important thing to remember about uh, the whole racism controversy. As you say, Channel 4 cut a lot of it out. It wasn't one incident, it wasn't a slip of the tongue, it wasn't a moment of anger. No, they cut out, like, I think they cut out the word packy, didn't they? Yeah. Which, because yeah. at the time, I, I think I was, I seem to remember that I was watching it, and, I, you know, it was all just a bit like, oh, is it racist, is it not racist? And you were not quite sure. Yeah. You know, you couldn't conclusively say it was. And when Channel 4 were cutting out bits that were overtly racist, so you kind of, you know, falling into yeah, thinking yeah. it might not be. I but think Steve, in terms oh, of the marathon as well, Again, this is where... She would have been eating curry and... Yeah, exactly. And her, her ignorance taps into that as well. She, I'm sure she doesn't know what 24 miles is. I'm sure she hasn't got a 26 clue. miles. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you uh, identify with <laughs> But um, do you know how many miles of the marathon she did? 21. Yeah, that's remarkable. I couldn't do that. No. no. And that's the thing. That was without her... I, I couldn't run 20 mile miles uh, without any preparation. And she didn't do any preparation. She spoke about it quite openly, where she hadn't changed her diet, she hadn't done any training. The fact that she did 21 miles um, is remarkable. But as I say, that doesn't uh, uh, allow her to do uh, other things. No. But then it's the, it's the hypocrisy of the British people that really bothers me, that once um, she's diagnosed with cancer, suddenly her ignorance is an issue, her physical appearance is an issue, and her racism is an issue. She gets a clean slate on everything, good and bad, and uh, at that point, is treated as a completely different person. And mm. it, it's that sort of... And I, I just feel that, the hypocrisy of the way she was treated, she was, like, deified towards the, the final months of her life, mm. which is as unacceptable as the, the barrage of abuse she received uh, in the first sort of months of uh, public fame. Just, at, not, as I say, her entire life as a celebrity is a nonsense for me in terms of the imbalance of reaction towards it. Yeah, but none of these are really the reason why I've nominated her. Okay. Um, it's the fact that, well, after Big Brother, right, she put out six uh, fitness videos, yeah? Yeah. She's had multiple books, right? Her first book sold 90,000 copies in hardback, right? So overall, she sold hundreds of thousands of books, presumably, yeah. right? 
Her perfume, right? First one was called Shh. Third biggest uh, selling perfume at Superdog that year, yeah. Second one after racism incident was called Controversial. So she became a multi millionaire, yeah? Yeah. You know, starting pantomimes, shopping the beauty salon, documentaries following her around. Other reality TV appearances as well, weren't there? Yeah, she was on the Indian Big Brother. Which presumably to make amends, and which is where she was diagnosed with cancer like, yeah. on the show. But yeah, it's it annoying. It, I just think it's outrageous that someone who's like you talk about people who don't have any talent becoming uh, kind of multi-millionaires and celebrities or whatever. Yeah. But I don't think you can get any lower than Jade Goody, and I don't mean that as an insult to her. Right. But I mean in terms of a lack of talent. You know, ninety thousand people bought her book. In people were sitting there reading their books. They've got five Jay Goody books on their shelves. That is unacceptable for a human being to go and buy a Jay Goody book. It is, but I think that's more of the indictment on society than Jay Goody. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but she's. Uh, I'm putting her in. I'm putting everyone in. Everyone that's <laughs> ever bought um, any South Londoner that's ever bought a Jay Goody book, they're going in for that reason. They so, form so, number ten. <laughs> this is why. I, this is this was my issue. But I think as an individual. Um, she, uh, as you say, represents uh, s- socially some some terrible things. As you say, celebrity culture and reality TV culture, and uh, you know the fact that you can get fragrances and book deals off the back of being on telly, and that's all. You've mm. got nothing. The thing is, in a book, it's not like once you start talking to her, you realise she's actually got something interesting to say. She hasn't. No. But as I say, that if anything, just balances out. Uh, the disgusting behaviour that greeted her initially. They're both uh, wrong. And if anything, you know, if you... if, if I think... Um, uh, this is probably going to annoy you, but I think if you come out of uh, a game show uh, where she didn't do anything on the first Big Brother, I don't mean, apart from, say, some silly things. She didn't no, do she got naked a few times. Yeah, and stuff. but nothing... Do you know what I mean? She didn't do anything... Oh, anything go, horrible? Yeah. Uh, no, she was a bit bitchy, but, like... Right, but like do you mean? Yeah, there was nothing... There was no crimes committed. And you come out and someone's hiding on something says, kill the pig. Yeah, that's not nice. Give her a million yeah, pounds, yeah. isn't it? Oh, no, that's the thing. I don't sort it's of... It's almost like a social tax you, on everyone I mean, for uh, I mean, the I think, society was so bad in the first place. If you can go on Big Brother and then uh, you plan to just go on a Channel 4 reality show and you come out of that and make yourself a multi-millionaire I mean you've won haven't you yeah the third person to be evicted from the Big Brother house is Jade <sighs> at number nine from Wandsworth Martin Bashir see for me Martin Bashir is another one where I don't know him well enough as an individual he doesn't put himself out as a public figure enough for you to go this guy's a terrible person but again it's what he represents and what he enables that makes you think this is, um, you know, an un- unpleasant way to be. And I'm, you know, it's just, yeah, he doesn't represent anything positive to them. I must admit, I don't know a great deal about Martin Bashir. I'm sure I've seen bits of the Diana interview. Maybe my parents watched it and, I, you know, I was in the room or whatever. And the same with Michael Jackson. I didn't sit there and watch the Michael Jackson documentary. But there's clips dotted all over the place, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, so you're going to have to tell me about him, Steve. What's so bad about Martin Bashir? Because I tweeted that earlier and nobody really said... Did anyone say anything? Yeah, uh, typical city uh, football blog said uh, something. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, <laughs> um, About Michael Jackson. Okay. And basically, um, you know, he killed Michael Jackson, essentially, didn't he? <laughs> 
<laughs> he made a documentary about Michael Jackson, yeah? And to quote somebody on Wikipedia, I can't remember what it was, though, it was like Michael Jackson's doctor or something. Not yeah. the one who killed it, who literally killed him. <laughs> said, uh, previous to the, to the uh, Mike Bashir documentary, um, the drugs were a crutch. But after that, they became a necessity. And then Michael Jackson died. I mean, he killed the King of Pop, Steve. <laughs> we said no murders. My issue with Martin Bashir is that he... And it's similar to uh, Piers Morgan. In America, Piers Morgan is seen as a serious journalist. <laughs> he is, in some circles, it, I no, but In media circles. He's, you know, he was given the job to succeed Larry King at CNN. That's not... No. Like, and, you know, no but, yeah, but the trouble is in America, it seems... Their airwaves are full of lunatics. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? People who yeah, can't yeah. be taken seriously. But yeah. I know what you mean. I know yeah. what you mean. Certainly he's given more credence than he is here. Yeah, and I think it was a similar thing with Martin Bashir, where Martin Bashir made his name doing very exploitative interviews with prominent people involved in controversies. But it was dressed up as incisive, worthwhile journalism. You know, it was Martin Bashir talking to people and going in depth. and But really... Uh, you're going in depth with a pop star and a princess. These aren't, you know, worthy and important things to discuss. You know, unless you are going to get Michael Jackson to confess to uh, paedophilia, and then uh, court proceedings uh, follow that mean that you, you know, it's not Watergate, is it? You're yeah. not exposing anything worthwhile. Unlike, you know, the whole thing of Diana. You know, he's essentially, um, uh, you know, a, a cog in a PR machine for these people but it's dressed up as if it's and you know he's sitting there you know very solemn you know it's not uh, played as uh, fluff journalism when essentially it is and in both those cases um, it's you know similar to Jade Goody it's it's again what it represents it's this coarsening of society where you, you, you're supposed to treat this as serious news when it's not and it doesn't do anything for us culturally to have people like Martin Bashir be respected for representing journalism like this, which is essentially, uh, you know, Heat Magazine uh, dressed up as Panorama. Mass media, Martin Bashir, um, you especially, you disgust me, you know, um, saying that this is another day of, of mass shootings in America, you know, kiss my ass, dude. At number eight, Radio personality Nick Ferrari, or oh, and author, you know, so do the humor section. The world, according to Nick Ferrari, was mm. in there, Steve. Humor, <laughs> nothing <laughs> funny about it, is there? Nah, nothing. There's nothing funny about Nick Ferrari. Yeah, I think radio personality um, says it all, doesn't it? He's essentially whoa, whoa, whoa. I like to think of myself as a radio personality, exactly, waiting to get on the radio. <laughs> You're not even Nick. I've Ferrari. been on the radios for since that time they interviewed me after the Supercross gig. And what was your uh, quote there? What was your soundbite? I'm covered in sweat, loving it. <laughs> and I've invited you back. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Nick Ferrari from uh, Elton Moore Mottingham next to each other, so it don't matter too much. Now lives in Blackheath, so he's still here, Steve. Yeah. Why? That, what's your problem with him, man? The problem with Nick Ferrari is, among many problems, um, in America you have shock jocks. You have uh, radio personalities whose existence is purely uh, designed to put people's backs up and to get, you know, do phone-in shows and you say something uh, and, people, and people ring up and they just sound... And, you know, um, Howard Stern being yeah. uh, the most famous of them. And um, Nick Ferrari clearly sees himself as some sort of 
iconoclast and you know uh, you know uh, enemy of the left and you know I'll, I'll say things that people are afraid to say <laughs> I'll say it for him and he I think he does think he use he, the phrase silent majority sometimes all, I'd imagine all the time in it. I, I imagine he's in like Marks and Spencers just talking about it while he's buying pasta hmm. um, yeah and uh, you know there's two issues here firstly uh, he is dreadful in terms of what he believes and says secondly He's not even good at being a shock job. He's like a pale imitation of uh, Howard Stern. You know, he's saying these things, but at the same time, it's not even Howard Stern um, has to had to go on to. I think he's on the Sirius Network. Had to go. Wasn't allowed to be broadcast on regular radio airwaves because he's just doing um, horrific things all the time. <laughs> Nick Ferrari, he can have a license. He's yeah. all he's saying. He's on LBC for crying exactly because all he's saying is um, uh, Middle England propaganda, isn't it? Just uh, things designed. To annoy middle-aged people into uh, tutting at a radio and possibly ringing in to go, I make you right, Nick. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for saying these things because no one's getting on. I imagine. I imagine they're screening calls. I imagine one call in seven is someone going, um, "No, nah, Nick, you're wrong," and I will tell you why. And then he obviously cuts the guy's feed uh, and then just cuts it. You know what I mean, it's, it's 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 not a fair fight, is it? He's not going to actually uh, engage people in a reasonable debate because uh, his thoughts and feelings on things are so clearly flawed. So he's one of uh, two people on the list that are in the kind of, you know, the real uh, persecuted minority. Exactly, are. yeah. Middle yeah. class white men. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, you know, amongst his uh, gentler, ridiculous statements, uh, he refuses to recycle because it means giving up your front garden because <laughs> of all the bins. And you're like, yeah. all right, this, uh, you know. Uh, and again, give up the planet. But this is the thing, if you look at... Uh, Sort of climate change denies in America. They're proper lunatics. This guy over here, sort of going, uh, I'm not getting involved in recycling. I might lose my front garden. <laughs> okay, okay, that's, that's your controversy. But you know, um, has come out with uh, worse things than that. In the run up to uh, the Olympics, he proposed um, a, a, an extra tax on trainers uh, to help pay for it. Which, uh, again, in terms of like, it, it, basically, all that's going to do is have um, someone, uh, you know, a middle-aged, middle-class person, sort of nodding at mm-hmm. the radio, going, "I make you right." No one, no one's going to take you seriously, are they? Um, but I think the most telling of his uh, proposals was he, he wanted to um, double income tax for human rights lawyers. Yeah. Because the thing is, you know the enemy is. You? <laughs> yeah. you know where the problem is in this world that we have today. People are just too concerned with their human rights, aren't they? All they want to do is have their human rights, and like you know, do you know how much people's human rights are costing us? Too much. Mm. So like Nick Ferrari's got a solution. He um, talks about standing um, as mayor of London, um, but obviously, I think I mean he jokingly withdrew from the race, claiming that he couldn't afford the pay cut. Very good. <laughs> Lol. Yeah, great. Um, but realistically, uh, it would mean examining his statements, wouldn't it? It would mean, mm. you know, having a debate with someone rather than you're sitting in a booth with a button ready to go yeah. if anyone says anything that's going to land a blow on you. So, you know, um, coward as well. Right. If you want to get any of Nick Ferrari's books, go to the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> go for the Amazon link or something. <laughs> Now, the politicians hold up in Westminster have no first-hand experience of the harsh realities that have been seen with this massive increase in immigration over recent years. Communities have been swept aside, native culture has been destroyed, and thousands of hard-working Britons have lost their jobs to immigrants. And number seven, 
MP for Campbell and Peckham, Harriet Harman. Harriet Harmful, my name. Oh, hey. So, the big issue with Harriet Harman, it's one incident, isn't it? But it's such a, a damaging incident. You, there's no bouncing back from it, is there, surely? Um, Harriet Harman's decision to wear a stab vest <laughs> on a walk around of her own constituency yeah. that she'd represented for about 20 years at that point. Yeah. You know, Tw- walking 25, down yeah. Peckham High Street. Um, with police. I, I was going to say, in the middle of the day, like, <laughs> oh, don't walk around Peckham High <laughs> because you will need a stab vest. Uh, There's no time you need a stab vest. Don't, you know, don't wear a stab vest. Um, yeah, her decision to wear a stab vest on a walk around of her local As you say, surrounded by police. As I say in Broadback, none of these things are issues, are they? Because you can walk down Peckham High Street at night without a police escort and survive. We've all done yeah. it. You know, we've all uh, walked along and lived. You know, um, in an, uh, a disagreement before with other uh, wrong South Londoners, um, someone described Wolf Rosemary as murder mile yeah. and told told me how you can't, his words, you can't walk down there at night without getting shot. Of course you can. Everyone does it all the time. <laughs> Very rare that someone uh, gets shot on the wharf. I don't road. recall anyone ever being shot on the wharf road. It's almost like it didn't happen, and these people are lunatics. Um, you know, there is an issue with knife crime in mm. in uh, the world. If we start yeah, at that basis, yeah. in England, in London, you know, you can go, and yes, in Peckham as well, uh, because knives are very easy to get access to. There's no controls like there are on guns. Uh, there are people out there with mental health issues. There are people out there. Uh, who with self-esteem issues? There's a lot of re- with rage issues. There's lots of there's lots of people that are just wrong and yeah, just want to yeah. stab people. There's a you know let's not make excuses for people who are going around stabbing people. But if you think as a representative of that community, mm. that it's it's uh, worthwhile and mm. appropriate for you to wear a stab vest walking around the place. Yeah, it was a disgraceful, hot, embarrassing, Dis- disgraceful. It, it kind of sort of goes to show really. What she thinks of her constituents, really. Absolutely. What she thinks of, of just people I mean, I have voted for her because I don't have any choice. I do resent the fact that I have to vote for her, essentially. I mean, what choice do you have, really? Socialist Labour. What's that? It's essentially... Um, oh, uh, OK, just vote for nobody then. Yeah. No, but the trouble I, is... I was talking about this one the, the yeah. other day. The first time I voted... Um, BMP. <laughs> was for Socialist Labour. Yeah. Um... Because uh, I was young and I did this, and I was like, I was like, there's no way I'm voting for Blair. There's no way I'm ever voting for the Tories. And I saw the Socialist Labour manifesto, and they were like, um, we're going to abolish the army and spend it on hospitals. I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. It's exactly what I want to do. Um, and obviously, you vote for him, and then and then you sort of tell people, you know, vote, and you vote with your conscience. And people go, oh, you just wasted your vote. And you're like, maybe I did. So next election, uh, I vote Lib Dem. Makes no difference, uh, Labour's still getting. So the next election, I go, well, Lib Dem, and in the polls, they're looking great and they're saying all the right things. So I voted them, and you get the Tories. Yeah. And the Lib Dems proved themselves to be, you know, uh, spineless liars and a complete waste of time and space. So now, from now on, socialist Labour, in it? Definitely. Do you know what I mean? There's no. No, because, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? It is tough. No, it's easy. Just vote socialist Labour, they're, they're brilliant. I've seen what no, they're going to do. bother turning up. So that Socialist Labour get elected and we get rid of the army and get more hospitals? Uh, I just think you've got to basically avoid having a Tory government and that means you have to vote for Labour. Mm. And I don't take any pleasure in voting for Blair or Harman. And I mean, Harman is a key part of new Labour, isn't she? Absolutely, She's yeah. like one of the main players. Yeah, which is um, another issue I have with... But, you know, I, I've you know we won't go on about this too long, but I just think you have to vote for Labour, unfortunately. 
we can follow up with another reason to dislike Harriet Harman, which was um, at the height of the expenses scandal. Um, she tried to introduce uh, a bill into Parliament so that people wouldn't have access to uh, MPs' expenses. I thought that was before, and I thought this is what led to... Oh, was it? Well, this is my understanding. The thing is... Uh... she, Yeah, she proposed that the Freedom of Information Act should have an exemption for MPs' expenses. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, the which... Yeah, the MPs' scandal. I mean, her stuff didn't really come out, did it? It was about £12.80 in stationery that she paid back. But I mean, Yeah, £13.20. Oh, was it? Right, but the thing is... Uh, just the fact that you think it's valid at any point. This whole idea of MPs being exempt from things mm. or, you know, expenses generally I have a huge issue with because here's my thing, right? I get a wage for going to work. Yeah. But as part of going to work, I've got expenses. I've got to get a bus to go to work. While I'm at work, I've got to eat food. But here's the thing. My wage is supposed to cover that. Yeah. These people go to work and they're like, it's going to cost me money to get there. Cost everyone money to get there. Mm. If I could just have a house that's closer. Well, I'd like a house that's closer as well. Yeah. If that's well, that might be convenient. legitimate if you have to work in London. But, I mean, it's when people start getting their moats cleaned. I mean, that's the one that I, <laughs> I will never get over. And that's almost not even the worst one. No. The, obviously, so the guy whose husband bought pornography. Yeah, yeah. And one I only read about today, the guy who spent £755 on astrology software. <laughs> for himself. <laughs> But I mean, and Harmon essentially was just going, this is all fine. Let's just try and do it. Let's keep this going. Yeah. And, you know, she's a careerist, isn't she? Absolutely. This is what the she's thing. All yeah. about. I mean, yeah. she's basically. And it's worked. She's the English Frank Underwood, isn't she? <laughs> and the driving offences, Steve, which I didn't know about until this morning. The thing is, the driving offences, it's not you go, they're fine. But that's not my issue with her at all. No, it's not. But I was just going to throw it in because we are having a go at her. Also, it is sustained. Again, it's not yeah. just it's not just one. Two thousand and three, she was driving ninety nine miles an hour. So not a hundred. Let's look at the positives. Uh, then a couple of years later, driving fifty in a forty zone, and then twenty ten had a crash because she was on the phone while she was driving. Yeah, but you know, like, forget the stab vest. She want to be wearing a seatbelt, love. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick Ferrari, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he just walked in. Uh... So we don't like her, but do vote for her. Although, don't vote. Steve, don't don't vote. <laughs> Come on, don't vote. But what was not done was to increase the scrutiny and the audit and uh, at the same time make the rules clearer. So you, we, you could have quite, quite unclear rules when there was only a very small amount of money. When it was increased... But actually the rules are very clear and, and it's also very clear that you've breached them. If we were to do a list of uh, the hottest stuff on there, Steve... You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where this is going. I know, in, I know what this sort of... Uh... Not in terms of temperature. <laughs> Number six may come in at a similar place. Naomi Campbell. Yeah. From Streatham. She's she's a bad one, isn't she? Yeah. Ten, ten counts of assault, yeah? Against... And this is the thing. If it was ten counts of assault against members of the public and you sort of go, she's she's rowdy... But it's, it's ten counts, and you know, that's not excusing people going out committing public order <laughs> no. offences. I mean, she used to go out with Mike Tyson, right? If she'd have given him a slap, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But when you're throwing phones at your employees, the fact multiple that it's all, times, it's all employees or yeah. you know underlings, isn't it? Yeah, is how she would think of it. And it's you know physical abuse every time. Mm. So spitting on people. You know, I'd rather she know. broke my leg. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's just a violent. Thug, isn't she? Essentially, yeah. yeah. And you know, there's there's no need for it, is there? You know, if you've got people that are working, if you're so loaded that you've got people doing things for you, just be um, really grateful and uh, pleasant to them, isn't it? You yeah. know, these people are just making your life easier. The fact that you know they're not doing, making the world perfect for you isn't an excuse to throw a mobile phone at them or scratch their face. You lunatic. 
Yeah, hot, just horrible. And went out with uh, Robert De Niro. Went out with her. Yeah, Adam Clayton from U uh, two. Flavio Briatore. That made me feel physically sick. Yeah, you know what's horrible. What's she getting out of that? And you know, initially that was my uh, take on Naomi Campbell that she was um, physically abusive to employees. But then I'd forgotten about um, Charles Taylor and the Blood Diamond trial, where um, she was consorting with a man who's um, essentially a war criminal. It was a war criminal, raw crimes trial, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, which uh, she um, described being subpoenaed to appear at as a big inconvenience. Yeah, it must be really annoying. What I found out about that, though, Steve, is uh, why was it was when it had Nelson Mandela's house or something that he gave her blood diamonds. Yeah, What's, why is Nelson Mandela having him round? Um, well, it'd be similar to. Was it not? Did people not know the extent of his atrocities at that point? There'd be that, and also it's it's diplomacy, isn't it? Just because you know people are, you know, Romans, you know, Gaddafi. No, but well, it's like multiple no, uh, human rights violations. Absolutely. But there's the argument as well that uh, if you isolate these people, um, they, they, they've got no uh, incentive to improve. Whereas if you establish trade links, we made those trade links uh, based on your human rights records, it gives them an incentive. You know, people shouldn't need an incentive not to be killing their citizens. Yeah. You know, it, it is, I don't even, but I don't think you can implicate uh, Nelson Mandela in anything now, I'm not doing that <laughs> I just found it that's yeah, why I, I found mean, odd about it's, the whole it's thing it's just odd like fit, how yeah. you ended up at a party where you've got this uh, Stratum supermodel and it's like some despot but it's a similar thing with um, Mugabe and Gaddafi where you know overtures have been made to them people know that they yeah. you know are and were disgraceful people but you know as I say the idea is if you just leave them in their country to do whatever they've got n- no incentive not to uh be terrible. You know, Naomi Campbell, on the other hand, uh, can choose exactly who she wants to uh, consort with, can't she? She doesn't need to be uh, taking diamonds uh, off of people. Pretty sure she can afford her own, that. Probably got access to jewellers, you'd imagine, isn't it? You know what she don't have access to, Steve? British Airways, because she's bound for life <laughs> for assault. <laughs> so what do you recall that incident with the housekeeper being about? If it wasn't about jeans and it wasn't a Blackberry... I don't remember what it was she said to me, and I just threw the phone. Okay. And something that I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm not. Um, I am ashamed of everything I've ever done. Number five is a difficult one for you, Steve. I imagine to it's put into this conflict for me. I mean, list. I think what this will prove, similar to the last entry, is it doesn't matter how physically attractive you are. <laughs> if, if you are you know found lacking as a human let's not judge people just by you know beautiful faces well groomed beards and uh, short back and sides let's look at their actions and their words and not just sort of go that man's beautiful we're not gonna you know judge uh, him it is Steve's doppelganger uh, number five Gary Bushell if anything he's a more attractive version of me that's uh, that's my eternal uh, shame yeah I remember when we were at the Waterstones uh, we were at the till on the first floor and uh, Louis Peckham, a regular guest, was uh, up from the basement, and he just mentioned that you'd look like Gary Bushel, <laughs> and it didn't. It never occurred to me before, and I was just like howling in disbelief. Like, how did I not think of this before? How did God make this mistake twice? You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, and I'm sure Lou will clarify this um, if if I am uh, not crediting him. But for me, uh, the Gary Bushel nickname always came from my cousins. And I think 
because um, I'm always, you know, in the in the interest of balance, I'm I'm not backwards in coming forwards when it comes to being cheeky to people and comparing them to, uh, you know, celebrities they might not be compared to. So I think I outed myself at Waterstones yeah. as a Gary Bush stunt double, and I don't regret it because yeah. no, you know, but people just would pick up on it, wouldn't they? Yeah, it doesn't take much, does it? No. You just a little glance at the face and the knowledge of who Gary Bush is, and uh, you're on it. But it's not all good news, of course, looking at Gary Bushel, because there is uh, a seedy underside to uh, that gorgeous man. Soundtracks by uh, some oi tone music. <laughs> so he used to write for the Socialist Worker. Yeah, he was um, a Trotskyite, which is, uh, you know, the most left-wing of the most left-wing. But a lot a lot of um, these... Uh, the word scumbags uh, <laughs> bring out sort of fascist rhetoric in their uh, 30s and 40s did swim in their sort of teens and 20s yeah. um, when to be communists they're idiots this is the problem they don't they don't yeah. really think too much about stuff that's the issue so they sort of think something and then they learn something else and then they think that and because there's no nuance to their thinking it's either one thing or the other isn't it there's nothing where they sort of go oh I'm conflicted there's no conflict <laughs> he's not thinking deeply enough about yeah. it so yeah now he um yeah, it's much more uh, right-wing. Yeah, he's involved with the English Democrats uh, party. On the uh, party, party political broadcast he did on YouTube uh, for the English Democrats, um, he's just talking about how great it is to be English and stuff. And he goes, uh, opening line, I think it is, he goes, a friend of mine, Cass Pennant, <laughs> sent me an email on St George's Day. No, I don't think I need to go any further than that. Do I? Like, that's, you know, all right, I'm out, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, like Bushel, you do share a love for variety. Yep. Um, not when I say variety, I mean like musical variety, not like as in multiculturalist. <laughs> no, myself and Gary agree on that. It's terrible. Idea. Um, it's interesting because well, he sort of he cut his teeth as uh, a music journalist in the seventies, and although he backed. Um, some terrible bands, probably like some good ones as well, and probably did do some uh, decent writing. But um, I was so pleased to hear, and this is going to be another anecdote about the fall, I'm afraid. But um, he wrote a, a sort of damning uh, review of a fall gig, and uh, Marky e. Smith, uh, and this was in the 70s, this was before uh, people knew how much of a wrong go Bush was. He was like, uh, uh, he's like, oh, he's a tedious man. Just goes on about Britain all the time. Just join the army. Get over yourself, <laughs> isn't it? And um, Bushel threatened to like uh, duff him up next time he saw him, as he would, because mm. he's not actually going to engage with anyone um, on any sort of meaningful level, is he? He's another one where um, he's sort of symptomatic of uh, the coarsening of society as well. He's sort of. You know, will make statements about race and gender and sexuality that you know. Um, how would you put it? Stop us from advancing. Yeah, as a they, species. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he they fuel just, people's he, um, uh, uh, prejudices, yeah, don't they? Essentially, yeah. they um, you know they indulge people's you know hate. Which which will come up again. Oh, other absolutely. Yeah. He um, uh, wanted Julian Clary uh, banned from television. Yeah, but what I mean, I'm not defending him for that. But wasn't that because he made a fist in joke? Yeah, that he found distasteful. Yeah, it wasn't just like don't have any gay people on. Or they did. He does. He has referred to it as a perversion on television, absolutely. on radio yeah. before. Yeah, and with the um, 
talking about uh, sensitive the Champions League final in Russia. It was just like we there was a gay be, pride march. Yeah, we should, and like you know, they've in Russia they're notoriously you know a homophobic legislation or whatever. Yeah, and uh, he sort of was saying we shouldn't tell them how to run their country. Yeah. Thing is, Steve, you say yeah, you know, agree with me, but I just see Gary Bushell's face <laughs> conflicted. <laughs> um, yeah, he's um, going back to Peter Tatchell. Um, he's attacked Peter Tatchell um, verbally because um, Peter Tatchell obviously gets beaten up a lot for uh, just trying to make sure that people aren't trying to kill gay people around the world. Um, we had a go at Peter Tatchell for uh, wanting to um, interfere in. Um, how other countries uh, choose to do their business. Yeah, so there's a bit of his stand-up on YouTube, and it was just really, really mean-spirited. Like, obviously, like, it was misogynistic and uh, xenophobic and jingoistic, but it was just like, you're talking about Vanessa Phelps and just going yeah. on and on, just saying really horrible things about her and about um, whoever played Mandy Dingle, Lisa Riley. Right. Like, it was just so mean. Man. And you're, you're back to um, the uh, Jay Goody point, isn't it, where... Um, you, you don't like these women, but also the fact that they're not physically attractive to offset the fact that you don't like mm. them yeah, means yeah. they become a. a yeah, he's, he's he, a, he, he'd go a oh, fair game, innit? Fair game because mm. uh, you know why, why would I be nice to them? You know I don't want to kiss them, therefore there's no reason to be uh, you know pleasant or normal to people because that's how uh, the mindset of these people work. I'd imagine I haven't seen uh, his stand up, but I imagine not very good as well would be. The no, it was work. just yeah, it was uh, it was base. For people that, you know, read Jay Goody books. That kind of <laughs> level. He was on a show, uh, some kind of Who Do You Think You Are type show. That's right, yeah. yeah. And he turned out to be 8% black. <laughs> but he said he didn't mind and Channel 4 were racist for thinking that he would mind, essentially. <laughs> That's the problem with uh, Channel 4 over years, isn't it? It's so racist. <laughs> but luckily, uh... we've got Gary Bushell to point out how racist Channel 4... What, when do we go through the looking glass where Jack- Gary Bushell gets accused Channel 4 He's, he's calling them out. <laughs> I think most people find um, the act, the homosexual acts, to be instinctively repugnant. Yeah. Morley's in Brixton, Steve. On the stairwell, they've uh, got some uh, decent photos of you know Brixton from the past. They kind of celebrate uh, local history. You know, going Bowie is from here, and yeah. Van Gogh lived here, yeah. and Sharon Osbourne. Yeah, it's not Which the same, it, is it? Yeah, I didn't realise that until no. then. N- not keen on her at all. No, no. Most famous for being Oz- Ozzy Osbourne's wife and uh, business manager. You know, the uh, heavy metal pioneer, essentially. Yeah. Clearly, um, as a, a business manager in the music industry, gifted. Ridiculously successful. Yeah, but, but also very talented. You know, um, wanted to join, I think it was Lollapalooza, or wanted, uh, you know, Black Sabbath play Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza turned them down. On the basis that they were, uh, you know, out of touch and fuddy duddies, and we don't want old guys running around. So she sets up Ozfest, mm. which becomes um, incredibly successful yeah. and gets to keep all the money herself. So yeah, you know. Blizzard of Oz is a great name as well. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Jay Moore was saying that um, on his podcast, More Stories, that I think he'd met Sharon, or no, no, or maybe someone else told him that like Ozzy, he was asking what time Ozzy Oz was going to be on at some particular thing, and they were like eleven forty-five. Like dead on, yeah. And he's like, okay, so I get about quarter past twelve, and they were like, no, like dead on, like, um, yeah. And like, so he goes, well, he's obviously not going to be dead. Like, Sharon, make sure he gets on stage dead on time. 
So he goes, right, he looked at the set list, I don't really want to hear that song. So he turned up like 11.48 and that bang, War Pigs came on. So that's just spot on. So she's obviously like responsible for the fact that, I mean, because he's a mess of, he's a mess, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he's so drug adult yeah. that, yeah. you know, you only have to watch a few minutes of the Osbournes to see. Uh... If he was left on his own for a day, he'd be dead. Yeah, he'd yeah, forget yeah. to feed himself oh, or just. Have you yeah. seen him? He just yeah, shuffles yeah. about. He's, yeah, he's... but she's somehow like this puppet master. That, but yeah, she's uh, she's an Emmy winner, Sharon Osbourne. Yeah, um, millionaire, the most amazing woman of two thousand and three, according to Handbag dot com. Bad year though, wasn't it? Who came second? Mum of the Year two thousand and six. Mm. I, I don't know if I say Mum of the Year that Kerry Katona on that time, but. I've Presume so. Probably, isn't it? You know, do you know this story about Iron Maiden? Yeah, yeah. Playing at Ozfest, isn't it? Yeah, playing at Ozfest. You know, in the first few songs, people in the front row are throwing objects at them. Iron yeah. Maiden, Steve. Yeah. Run to the hills. <laughs> like, you know, including uh, by some reports, Kelly Osborne, you know, her daughter. Yeah, yeah. PA goes off halfway through. I think the sound cuts out three times in all, doesn't it? So like you know Bruce Dickinson, he's fuming. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's jumped straight back on his plane that he's flying, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it turns out Sharon Osbourne was behind it because he made some comments about reality TV being for uh, douchebags. When I made an eventually walked off stage, um, Sharon Osbourne went on stage to explain herself to forty thousand uh, Iron Maiden uh, fans who were wondering why um, the uh, set they paid for to see had uh, been ruined. And uh, she explained that she just didn't like Bruce Dickens. She got booed off stage, which yeah. is, uh, you know, tough crowd, isn't it? Don't go in front of an Iron Maiden crowd. Explain why um, they're not allowed to hear the songs that they've uh, come along to. I mean, this is my issue with Sharon Osbourne. For me, she is, again, it, and it's, you know, we've talked about in earlier entries, symptomatic of a wider problem in that reality TV and, you know, talent, in inverted commas-based TV, has taken such a sort of uh, stranglehold on our cultural lives and I mean not our cultural lives because the great thing now is with uh, the internet and torrents and you know you've got access to everything ever I mean yeah. you know there's so many times I see you on Twitter on a Saturday night just ranting at people <laughs> yeah. because they're watching terrible yeah. television like it's it's not 1982 you haven't got no. free channels no you, f- you think people did have yeah it's not and you, you know you and forget Forget the fact that they can get any DVD yeah. or uh, you know download you know anything any film or TV show that's ever been made or a yeah. record. They could even just turn over to something that's not take me out or uh, you know turn off Sally read a book. There's other uh, culture is so sort of uh, wide. You've got so many options at any point. There's no need for you to be watching uh, terrible television programs, but people do. And again, it's something we'll talk about. Uh, later on, uh, you know, people tapping into uh, the lowest common denominator, isn't it? It's just sort of, you know, the Osbournes as a TV show, there's nothing incisive there. It's just people, uh, pampered, spoiled people uh, being privileged, essentially, isn't it? It is. I mean, I don't want to always write off things that are, to a degree, entertaining. Because say that with Big Brother, I mean, I don't watch Big Brother anymore. And had I been maybe slightly older... Or, you know, things, if there had been torrents at the time, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have watched those early Big Brother seasons. Uh, but, you know, there's always this degree where it is entertaining to watch, stick a camera up in someone's house and, uh, and you know, watch what they're doing. That doesn't make Sharon Osbourne okay, does it? And Any know, of the Osbournes. 
<laughs> and this is the thing, I say like she did the Osbournes, then went on to do X Factor in America's Got Talent. Oh, you know, oh yeah, she's so dross, bad on that. Yeah. And, and the problem is, fair enough if you're going to do that, but she seems to take an absurd sense of pride in it as well yeah. because. She you thinks know, a lot of herself. I think. But the, and this is the thing, Bruce Dickinson did an interview where he said, I don't really like reality TV. Mm. So she messes up an entire Iron Maiden set yeah. for everyone. Because, People are paid like. Yeah. Like, you probably have to pay 60 quid a day to get in more, maybe. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, definitely, though. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, she's also apparently notorious for uh, sending boxes of excrement to <laughs> TV critics to display for her output. Is she? Yeah. Um, and uh, famously sent one to one reviewer uh, with a note attached that said, I heard you got an eating disorder. Eat this. Oh, gosh. So. Definitely worthy of a place to top ten for that one act alone, I would argue. I mean, you know, fair enough if you want to do if you want to produce terrible culture and you know, getting back to Jay Goody point, if you can if you can turn uh, a profit on some terrible and it doesn't bother me and it's not, you know uh, and you know, the Osbournes and reality for all it's not evil, it's not bad, it's just tedious. If you if if you can make money out of tedium, you know, fair play to you. But if someone tells you it's tedious and they're not enjoying it, you do not have the right to send box of excrement to their house or business to express your feelings on the matter. Perhaps no. a note. There's never any need to put excrement in a box. What? Also, this is the thing. The woman's got to be worth uh, millions, isn't it? Yeah, months, but, uh, many, many. This is the thing. You, you sort of go, you can't be winning if no. it's still an element of your yeah. life where you're going, I'll keep that because I might not oh, get... Oh, whoa, whoa, don't do that in the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What are you doing? We're going to the Emmys next week. Someone might say something horrible about my dress. <laughs> then what? What is it then that drives you? Is it the fame? Is it the money? Not the fame. The money I love. I just love money. Number three, racist comedian Jim Davidson. <laughs> we covered Jim Davidson in episode one, actually. Uh, we were talking about Up the Elephant, Round the Castle, uh, his sitcom from the 80s. And on that show, we kind of covered the fact that he threw keys in his wife's eye. And uh, some of the horrendous things he said and done. Yeah, he's got a history of uh, domestic abuse with more than one uh, partner. The fact that he has more than one partner still baffles me. <laughs> it's but horrible, isn't it? and also, you know, not since then, but you know, he he has a history of obviously racism in his stand-ups, um, homophobia in uh, another reality TV show, wasn't it? A cooking one where him and Brian Dowling were. Did uh, he? Yeah, he was basically. Uh, would you call it homophobically bullying? He was oh, basically right. bullying Brian Dowling for being gay. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, and you're back into the, the Bushel territory, isn't it, where these people see it as a perversion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's disgusting, isn't it? And you're like, it's nothing to do with you. <laughs> what these people choose to be the genitals, isn't it? It's yeah, none of your business, you literally. Know, I mean, Jim Davidson, like who, the guy who's coming up at number two, uh, was he arrested under Operation U Tree? Yeah. The yeah. whole Jimmy Savile uh, situation. The interesting thing about uh, Jim Davidson, and you know, I don't want to prejudice any forthcoming allegedly, uh, yeah, le- any forthcoming legal action. But about two weeks before he was arrested uh, under Operation U Tree, uh, he didn't interview where he said, uh, "I think they've gone far enough now, haven't they? <laughs> probably, uh, probably found everyone they're going to fight. Just leave yeah. it now. Stop. You got enough. How many arrests? Hundred. Oh, that'll do, won't it? Just don't." Me, is it? Oh, next year. I don't even know what they're investigating now. There's, as far as I'm concerned, there's enough on public records 
and Jim Davis would be more than worthy. Well, he's released DVDs that are incriminating, hasn't he? Yeah. Horrible, man. Yeah. So if you want to hear more, go back and listen to episode one. All our episodes are available on southlandhardcore.com. If you click player or if you click episode guide, you can scroll through and stream or download. Only the last 20 are on iTunes, so... If you can't, if you click an iTunes link and it's not there, don't think it's disappeared. It hasn't. It's still there. It's still on the internet. Well, you remember you saying to me that you hate all fat women on the dole. I didn't hate them. I just said they're good things to have a go at, and it doesn't really bother me. I don't have a conscience. Number two is a man from Kingston, which is just into Surrey. But we often on this show, you know, we make a case for people that live in South London or you know are heavily involved in South London. So. We think it's legitimate to include him. He worked in Eli's department store in uh, Wimbledon uh, when he left school. And he went on to work for the South London Press. So, you know, he's been involved. Kingston, I think, is close enough as well. I mean, it counts. You know, I was looking at it today and, you know, our strict rule is south of London with... uh, uh, South of the River with an S postcode. It's got a KT postcode, but... It falls, and this is where you start to get into grey areas. It falls under the auspices of the Metropolitan Police. It's the London mm. Fire Brigade. It's, so it's, I mean, you've got the outer London boroughs, haven't you? Like, say, like the borough of Bromley, the yeah. borough of uh, is it the borough of Kingston or is it Richmond or whatever Richmond, it is? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Max Clifford. Max Clifford was a man that I always thought I had time for because his stated mission in terms of what he wants to do with his actions um, was to expose hypocrisy in public life yeah. bring down lying politicians and I always thought well of him just because I, I had never heard of him until he came I want to comments. expose hypocrisy I want to uh, you know bring and down I, the conservatives I'm, I'm fond of you as well <laughs> but um, yeah he came to I, I mean I'm sure well he was operating long before this but he came to prominence um, under uh, or during John Major's government where and, you know, his initial motivation was his daughter received what he felt was substandard NHS treatment for a condition. And he blamed the Tories for, you know, mismanaging and underfunding the National Health Service to such an extent that his daughter couldn't receive uh, proper treatment. So his motivation was to bring down this government and get Labour back into power. And he did that through a series of exposés where the major government becomes synonymous with sleaze. There's so many politicians that are implicated or exposed in uh, mostly infidelity, mostly sort of extramarital affairs. But um, yeah, just loads of wrongdoing. And you know, it works eventually. The Tories um, are out. We get um, Blair and Harman and Co. Yeah. But you know, more investment in the NHS. It's better, so I suppose I mean, it's, yeah, it's it obviously works. better. But it's when you look at his work in detail that you realise um it's just he's lying, isn't he? He's a hypocrite himself because yeah. that's not his motivation. It might yeah. have begun as I don't know if it means, but he's done a, a lot of things that, again, and this is the theme we have to keep going back to, just degrade society, doesn't it? Just makes you feel a bit grubbier just going about your business, listening to things and, and reading things. How um, much of responsibility does he have to take for making the tabloid newspapers just pure tittle tattle? A great deal, I would argue. I mean, his... I was hoping for a percentage, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, this, these things don't happen in a vacuum, do they? It is a case of... And, you know, the next entry uh, is going to be a huge uh, element of this as well. But 
you know, before he's bringing down uh, Tory governments, he's planting, you know, probably still probably the most infamous headline he's associated, which is uh, Freddie Star ain't my hamster. Which... Vegetarian, wasn't he? Freddie Star <laughs> wasn't he? I don't know, but yeah, I mean, because but I mean, he definitely I'm... didn't eat a hamster. Nah. Did I mean, basically, his story is leaked to promote an upcoming tour, hmm. but it becomes uh, literally front page news. The Sun gives over. The entire front page, this headline, yeah, the photograph. Yeah, so bizarre. I, also, never, I didn't realise it was a real front page of a newspaper for, yeah. uh, f- until I was about like 25. Yeah. Like, because I thought you don't imagine, can't be real. Yeah, but it is an actual thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he sees... Um, and this is the problem, isn't it? It's a wider problem, is, but he sees um, newspapers in general, and the, specifically the tabloids, as marketing tools. But then the papers feed into that as well because they want circulation, so they want salacious stories that they can then sell newspapers. So you end up with newspapers which could and should be vehicles for information to people so they can understand. News at least. Yeah, so they can understand the world a little more, make informed decisions at elections, um, make judgments on uh, people in terms of. But it isn't, is it? It's, you know, and this is the problem. You have people like Max Clifford who, you know, will. Uh, I'm sure he'd phrase it himself, will control perception, mm. which is a horrific statement when you think about it. You know, you might think uh, this way about someone, I'm going to change how you think about them through lies, yeah. through misdirection. Yeah. I'm going to lie to you about this person. And as I say, if you're lying to me about David Meller, that's great because we all want David Meller to be seen in the worst possible light and have to resign from government and never get voted into public office. In a literal way, there's no good light to see David Mellor in, is there? No, exactly, yeah. But And and also, uh, and that's the problem, isn't it? You get things like, do you know about the whole Chelsea kits? Yeah, I yeah. do, yeah. I mean, you know... <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to mention it. <laughs> but, and that's just a silly thing, but yeah. But it's just, it's again, it's a corrosive element, isn't it? Mm. If you sort of go, that worked. And, uh, you know, you can imagine it being quite easy to get drunk on power but get carried away and go I can probably well, he has do so this much well. power doesn't he absolutely yeah. anytime anything ever comes out he's always attached to it yeah yeah Matt Clifford as well he had some things to say about uh representing uh gay footballers yeah right he yeah. was talking about the uh like the how homophobic football is and stuff so what he does is he arranges it for to make people look as if they're straight yeah like, that's not helping in any way is it no no um, there's another interesting thing where it said uh, or I read that he um, during his years in South London he used to uh, organise adult themed parties uh, and because they knows lots of madams and prostitutes mm. which is useful because then he matches them up with uh, perverted celebrities that need particular oh, uh, yeah. taste catered for and you're like it, it, are we supposed to do some sort of public service that he's yeah, providing is he still exposing hypocrisy at that yeah point? it's really um Bizarre, um, yeah, and with the hypocrisy thing as well. Yeah, his thing of uh, my work is about this, you know, OJ Simpson um, hooking up uh, Stephen Lawrence's killers with Martin Bashir. This isn't helping to bring down governments, is it? This isn't exposing uh, hypocrisy. This is just enabling, you know, more bad uh, television. Mm, dumbing down, and the whole uh, thing with Muhammad Al Fayed and the Hamiltons as well, where. He basically worked on behalf of Fayed. Um, and initially it was, again, you know, part, a huge part of the sleaze that brought down Major's government was uh, cash for questions where Clifford orchestrated a media expose of the fact that 
Neil Hamilton, while a member of Parliament, took money from Mohammed Al Fayed to ask questions on his behalf in Parliament, which is a terrible thing and needs to be exposed. But um, later, and it sounds like after he fell out quite badly with the Hamiltons, uh, Clifford's, not Clifford orchestrates, but uh, basically the Hamiltons are accused of rape. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 And uh, that didn't ring true at all at any point. Well, it? no, they weren't actually guilty of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Max Clifford made a payment to the accuser mm. shortly before the accusation was mm. made. So you're sort of like, you know, at this point, Neil Hamilton's a private citizen. He's not. Yeah, he's you're not, you're not bringing shady, that. You're not bringing man, that to the Tory government. No. You're just trying to, uh, you know, wreck someone's life because mm. uh, they've fallen out of you. Using they seemed like quite a pleasant couple, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they genuinely. Do you know they turned up after the whole scandal? They just turned up on everything. As like they became parodies of themselves. Yeah, very absolutely. Quickly. Yeah. Him wearing a bow tie, regardless of what the show is. Hmm. I think uh, it's you know, you know. Well, I'd say Clifford's got various shady things, but to encourage someone to make false accusations of rape, you know, obviously it's terrible for the person accused of it, but also. Um, doesn't help other people who have genuine charges mm. of rape to bring. Suddenly, you know, you're you're casting doubt on the very uh, you know idea of you know accusing someone of rape. You can't use something like that as a weapon or as a tool. It's a no. you know horrific way to behave. It is horrible. He, and he's not even the worst paper man in South London, is he? No, this is it. Not even the worst person associated with print journalism in South London. Look, if you're, if you're 19, 20, suddenly you become a pop star and suddenly a dozen girls burst into your dressing room, changing room or whatever, and that's the kind of thing that did and, and would happen, you don't actually sit there and ask for birth certificates. I don't know if you knew about this one, Steve. It was brought to my attention by Daryl1974 on Twitter. Number one, the worst person in the history of South London, Kelvin McKenzie. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty easy choice, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you know, a recurring theme throughout this has been the idea of people corroding society, people having an effect with their words and behaviour on larger society that's harmful. And on that basis, you don't want anything to do with them. You don't want to be on the same planet as them, let alone, you know, them representing or being part of a culture and community that we're trying to talk about on the show. You don't want... You know, ideally, you know, Kelvin McKenzie with enough of this, we could just ignore him. We we wouldn't. They're still... This is the thing. His his actions are so pervasive that... So heinous. We have to talk about him. And we've talked about him and... You know things he's been responsible before on the show, but um, it's well worth um, reiterating. I mean, you know, most famous for his reign as the editor of the Sun, yeah. during which time it became the paper with the highest circulation in the country, became a massively influential tool yeah, for political force. Yeah, absolutely for politics, for society in general, and I think. Uh, you know, if I read a quote from Colvin McKenzie as to what he saw, uh, the, the the role and the design of the sun to be, it sort of exposes exactly what he stands for and why he's such a uh, a toxic force. Mm. Go ahead. You just don't understand the readers, do you? He's the bloke you see in the pub, a right old fascist, 
wants to send the wogs back by his poxy council house. He's afraid of the unions, afraid of the Russians, hates the queers and the weirdos and the drug dealers. Nice. And that was pretty much his remit while he was out of son, you know, to to uh, you know oppose uh, immigration and talk about how terrible it was that we live in a multicultural society. To you know, and I thought this is an interesting one, you know, talk about buying his poxy council house to look to look down on people that he you know thinks he represents and thinks he's talking. Yeah, he's not talking maybe. to people; he's talking no. down to them. All these people want is to own the home they live in. You know, it's a it's only, only a poxy council house. The idea of this. He's like some sort of champion of the, the working classes is a joke. Um, afraid of the unions, that suits his agenda, obviously, when it comes to uh, scrapping a ton of jobs in print in the 80s. Afraid of the Russians, you know, nothing wrong with uh, a bit of xenophobia. Um, hates the queers. You know, the sun in the 80s, um, it seemed almost pathologically obsessed with homosexuality. Yeah. Saw it as uh, some sort of epidemic that, you know, people were going to end up, you know, becoming gay just by seeing that gay people Taking existed. A trip to Brighton. Yeah, you know. He, if you tolerate that, their existence, they will become it or something. His Wikipedia page has got a whole section on invented stories. Yeah. And one of them is uh, about Elton John having, uh, using underage rent boys, which was a lie, yeah. just an out and out lie. Um, also said that Elton John had the voice boxes of his dogs removed, the guard dogs removed, yeah, because uh, he didn't want to hear him barking. Again, just a lie, a smear campaign. Yeah, and because he got, got sued, you know. And yeah, lost. and uh, ends up paying a million pounds in damages. Kelvin McKenzie, after that, um, publicly declared that he thought Elton John should give the money back. He was like, "Really, what damage has it done?" Gotcha. Yeah one of the worst headlines ever. I mean, you know, if you're making a list of the worst tabloid headlines ever, the top five are probably all his. Um, yeah, I mean, he said he was, pr- you know, even after that was removed from later editions when it got yeah, yeah. Um it's when Jim Falklands, when yeah. a battleship was, uh, led people, loaded Argentinian soldiers died on the battleship, basically. Yeah, the Belgrano uh, was in contested waters. Um, then started to retreat from contested waters and was fired upon and sunk. I mean, how, you know, he said... Uh, Virgin on war crimes, essentially, but, you know... He said he was proud of it, and uh, the enemy being killed is a bloody good thing. Like, you know, we're not talking about Nazis here, are we? No. We're just talking about, like... You know, how do you take pleasure in that? Son, at the same time, showed a photograph of a missile on its front page with its logo emblazoned on the side and claimed that they'd sponsored the missile and were hoping that it would, uh, you know... Take a few of the enemy out. They also did um, a photo shoot with uh, a page three girl caressing the missile. Because, mm. and you know, this is what it comes down to. McKenzie's... Page three is a bit of a theme as well. Absolutely, Bush, yeah. Bushell, uh, he mentioned in his party political broadcast, like he was listing things that are great about England, and page three was one of them. Yeah. I mean, if you think. If you think that is the best, (laughs) if you think page three is the best this country has to offer, then you don't love England, do you? You hate it because you think so little of it. If you're listing the cultural achievements of your nation and you think that page three ranks in there at all, then that just shows how tiny your mind is. Another uh, invented story was an interview with Simon Weston, who was a Falkland survivor. He's the guy with the burnt face and he's kind of... you know, the most famous face from the Falklands. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
Kelvin McKenzie, who during the Falklands conflict obviously supported it and you know marvelled uh, at it, yeah, revelled revelled yeah. in the glory of war. Um, fabricates an interview with Simon Weston that included a quote about um, him understanding people being uh, horrified at his appearance, which uh, it's quite a statement to make they on just the half. Made but, up the quote. Yeah, yeah, they do that a lot uh, yeah. in newspapers. Um, another um, wonderful headline. Um, abos brutal and treacherous yeah referring to the that. aboriginal people of australia yeah uh you know just absolutely vile oh that's obviously murdoch isn't it yeah yeah absolutely. murdoch being australian and an evil man also ordered uh a journalist to break into a psychiatry hospital where the actor jeremy brett was undergoing treatment for manic depression while also uh fighting a life-threatening disease um, to ask him if he was dying of AIDS, yeah. because he was uh, known as a homosexual. So you know, uh, just a, a dreadful, mm. dreadful man. What he's most famous for is uh, in his time at the Sun uh, when the tragic uh, Hillsborough disaster happens. You know, people were crushed to death. Ninety-seven people was it? Ninety-six. Ninety-six. Ninety-six people um, put the truth on the cover. And, uh, Another infamous headline. Yeah, and accused um, fans of uh, urinating on the police, stealing from the dead, sexually abusing like dead bodies. Recently, the full truth of Hillsborough has come out, um, where it was found that the police um, doctored blood samples of the dead, including children. And I mean, it, you know, it was evident all along that it was wholly the police's fault of Hillsborough. Yeah. The incompetence, and not just incompetence, but the uh, willful negligence. Yeah, yeah. The kind they of they didn't care about the people, people that they in. were, uh, mm. you know, essentially there to take care of. Yeah, that caused the deaths of everybody uh, and the deaths and injuries of everyone that day. I mean, they, we all knew that, um, but that's kind of come out lately. Um, but the fact that so many people seem surprised by it, you know, there were people that kind of still kind of seem to like genuinely think that that the Liverpool fans bore some responsibility for it. Yeah. And the reason for that is in part due to this even though the Sun published a retraction since and they've been apologetic about it. He hasn't. You know, he's never he's because oh, no, no, he he apologised the day after um the official report came out that condemned everyone involved, Kelvin McKenzie apologised for twenty five years of lies and distractions from justice being done to 96 dead people. Um, a spokesman for the Hillsborough families described it as far too little, far too late. I mean, what, what's the point? Don't yeah. apologise then. You know, what's once it's been proven beyond any shadow of a doubt. Well, and this is the, the problem, isn't it? He, you know, he said, oh, I went with official sources. This is his problem. You know, you're a newspaper. You're not going to investigate. You're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, examine you're just going to publish things that are presented to you mm-hmm. as long as it's from an official source. He worked at the uh, South East London Mercury. It's from Camberwell, apparently. I went to Alain's and left with one O level. Yeah, Alain's. <laughs> you really got to be not be paying attention to that. Just for osmosis, you'd get one O level shortly. So if you think we've left anyone off the list, uh, let us know. You know, Mumford and Sons, I'm sure people, uh, <laughs> the amount of bile they were getting during the Brit Awards on Twitter, I'm sure people will be happily uh, nominate them. If you disagree with anyone we've got on, feel free to let us know. Unless it's Calvin McKenzie, in which case, uh, come on. Mm-hmm.